Welcome to The Cup, where we will be spilling all sorts of tea about what's going on inside Washington, D.C., what regulators and lawmakers are working on and thinking about, and what you and your credit union should be focused on in terms of risk areas and areas of opportunity. My name is Ann Petros. I'm your host and Vice President of Regulatory Affairs here at NAFQ. Today, I am joined by Dustin DeVore, who is a leading credit union expert and attorney at the law firm of Kaufman and Canoles. Uh, Dustin is chair of the firm's credit union team. He regularly advises clients on a variety of compliance issues. So thank you, Dustin, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Yeah, happy to have you. So what do you see as the top compliance issues for credit unions today? Yeah, well, um, uh, you know, I regularly work with um, a number of credit unions, everyone from CEOs to vice presidents to compliance officers, lending officers. So um, I think I have a pretty pretty broad uh, area that I deal with. So I'd say right now, uh, fraud. Um, mm-hmm. Fraud is just so rampant right now, unfortunately, in a number of areas. Um, overdraft issues. Um, we're seeing a number of overdraft lawsuits. Uh, unfortunately, against our uh, clients and nationally. Um, And probably fair credit uh, continues to be an issue, you know, just a constant stream of both complaints to the regulatory agencies, better business bureaus and lawsuits Mm -hmm. regarding um, every issue you can imagine with with fair credit, probably uh, especially with uh, reporting to the um, uh, CRAs. And Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, I'd say we deal with some reporting issue um, almost every day, if if not two or three times a week, with a credit wow. with a credit union because the rules are so complicated. Mm-hmm. Anybody who claims to uh, uh, you know be an expert, be careful <laughs> uh, because uh, all these rules are so complicated. Unfortunately, and mm-hmm. um, you, I'd say 99% of our clients think they're doing the right thing right. and try to do the right thing. Unfortunately, because the rules are so complicated, not just in fair credit, but in so many of these areas, you can think and try to do the right thing and not do the right thing mm-hmm. and end up either in a lawsuit or end up with an NCUA finding after an exam. Um, right. So that's just a need for diligence. Certainly. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> nobody, you know, wants to get themselves uh, sued or, you know, end up with a, a finding um, in the exam process. And and certainly no one wants to, you know, put consumers in, in a bad position. But, um, you know, NAFQ has been pretty involved with uh, filing some amicus briefs in, in Fair Credit Reporting Act cases across the country. Oh, great. Um, so we are seeing a, a good bit of, of that as well. So, um I guess I'm not happy to hear that you're seeing seeing a lot of it, but uh, yeah. it sort of confirms, you know, what what we've been focused on as well. But let's let's dig into fraud. Is that as a topic that we've been hearing a ton about from our members, especially throughout the pandemic? Um, you know, we saw fraud uh, cases on the rise and increase, you know, dramatically really over the past couple of years. Um, but you know. One thing in particular that our members have complained about is um, 
P2P payment platforms um, and, you know, how credit unions are, are managing, you know, increased risk associated to associated with, you know, consumers operating on, on, you know, Venmo, Zelle, whatever other platform um, they may be using. So, you know, how are credit unions managing this risk and the error resolution requirements under regulation E? What are you seeing from your clients? Yeah, well, uh, I guess for our listeners, um, you know, Zelle is the one where um, there's at least I've seen the most litigation. Fortunately, um, I don't see any wood here. I'd knock on it, but uh, <laughs> we've not had any of our our credit union clients uh, have any issues with Zelle. I'm not sure how many of them actually are, are uh, uh, using Zelle. I know some are. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Venmo obviously is is. Uh, I, I think Venmo's half or three quarters the size of Zelle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure the exact size. I know Zelle's much larger. But f- uh, for those who aren't real familiar with Zelle. It's, uh, you know, owned by, uh, I think it's six or seven of the largest banks. That's uh, right. B of A and uh, I think Wells Fargo maybe. And, and, Wells, JP yeah, Morgan, yeah, Chase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they got together right. have this technology, you know, which acts as a, a peer-to-peer or person-to-person uh, uh, payment scheme. Um, and what's ha- happening is, um, and this is similar to some of the fraud we're seeing, is... Um, uh, one of their customers will sign up for Zelle. They'll get a, uh, a text that says, Hey, I'm from the Zelle, uh, I'm from the Zelle wire department or the Zelle compliance department or, mm-hmm. or give us a call. Uh, and, uh, because we think there's been some sort of activity that wasn't approved on your account. People call the number thinking that they're calling either the bank or the, or Zelle and, uh, end up giving out information or, end up wiring or not wiring, but using Zelle to send money uh, to this other account and then poof, it's gone. And uh, the big issue that's popped up in these overdraft or uh, I'm sorry, in these Zelle lawsuits is um, the fact that the banks argue that they don't have to make their customer whole because it was the customer that initiated the transaction. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not like credit cards where if there's a fraud, uh, normally you're going to get made whole. Uh, uh, or at least have the opportunity to made, be made whole. So in this case, the um, class action suits and other suits are uh, based on that fraud. So um, uh, right now, as I said, we've not been involved in any of those suits. We've been involved in uh, mm-hmm. uh, a number of other suits, but uh, I've got my fingers crossed. <laughs> now, you also mentioned um, overdraft, and obviously the, the CFPB <clears throat> has been zeroing in on so-called junk fees, which we vehemently disagree with with that label and don't think that- Me too. We don't think that there are junk fees in the financial services industry. Um, everything is disclosed uh, clearly and conspicuously up front and um, you know, consumers know exactly what they're signing up for. Um, but you know, the CFPB claims that certain types of overdraft fees and non-sufficient funds fees are exactly, you know, these sorts of junk fees. So what are you seeing with respect to overdraft and NSF fees? Yeah, unfortunately, we are seeing a lot of those suits. Um, We've had three or four of them just in the last two months, I think, come in. Oh, wow. Um, And uh, you'll see the same plaintiff's firms over and over. And, uh, you know, they're recruiting aggressively on the internet, elsewhere, uh, uh, unfortunately, 
Um, and so it's those websites that say, oh, you know, yeah. have you been a victim? Of I, I mean, I mean, there, there's a, I don't <laughs> know if you, I don't know if you've seen the, the 8 million ads for the Camp Lejeune lawsuits or a Camp Lejeune water. Oh, la- yes, la- yes, yes. Yeah. I, I was, actually, I was in the Marines before I went to law school and was stationed at Camp Lejeune, fortunately after the water issue, but there's a reason 8,000 law firms are running those ads constantly. They mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's the same in the overdraft. Um, in the lawsuits, in the complaints themselves, mm-hmm. it, it's really interesting. Um, we obviously think that they're pretty weak cases um, for the reasons you said. Um, uh, you know, there's opt-in, there's all kinds of disclosures, and it's a real benefit to the member. And uh, it's mm-hmm. interesting when you look at the complaints, a lot of them uh, spend a good part of the complaint citing um, things like CFPB um News releases, blogs, or, and bullets. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's not even the law that they're citing. No, nope. it's well. Look, everyone's saying they're junk fees and they're bad, but I mean, let's be clear: overdraft fees are legal. Right. They they are not illegal, and um, and in fact, they're as you you know alluded to a, a service that consumers want. I mean, we regularly hear that from our members. Yeah. So so here's the the key point in all of this with overdraft that I think a lot of people miss, Anne, and it's this. What's the next step? So mm-hmm. let's assume all overdraft and NSF fees are gone, okay, are, are, are illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say you have um, a single mom on a very small income and struggling to make ends meet, and she pays her electric bill, okay, and, and the check bounces. If she has overdraft, obviously she's she's okay, right? Uh, well, let's say she doesn't, okay, because they've been uh, made illegal. Well, that check's going to bounce. What's the electric company going to do? They're not going to take her checks anymore. Mm-hmm. So, in order to pay her electric bill, she's going to have to either go in and pay by cash, uh, or she's going to have to figure uh, or with a certified check, mm-hmm. or she's going to have to figure out some other way to pay it. So does that have we helped that low income member right. by getting rid of overdraft? It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, now we can argue about how much the fee should it be? Should it be thirty five dollars? Should it be twenty five dollars? I don't know. I'm not an expert on on you know that type of finance, but I, I, I don't understand the argument that getting rid of these fees helps consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and additionally. Um, you know, they say, well, banks and credit unions are making a fortune off these fees. Mm-hmm. Well, credit unions don't, I don't know about banks, but credit unions don't make a fortune on anything. <laughs> right, yeah. It's a credit union. Yeah. You know. Um, uh, this is not a profit generating no, product and no, service. That, that's right. And um, even when you look at the credit unions that are paying direct dividends to their members, that's mm-hmm. great. But no one's getting rich off those. No. So I, I think it's really a uh, – uh, and it, it, I, I don't think anyone has thought through to the end what does this mean. It sounds great politically. Oh, I'm against junk fees and I'm against uh, overdraft fees because I'm for the little guy and little girl. But uh, I don't think they've – well, what's the next step? What right. com- what comes next? And, and I, I think it hurts people more um, just like the dis- – the over disclosing with mortgages and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's gotten to the point where no one reads any of that. 
Right. You know, when they're sitting at the closing table. No. Um, you just sign on, on the line and keep moving. Keep flipping pages. Exactly. Right. That's how it works. Um, I mean, can you talk to me specifically about the authorized positive, settled negative issue? I mean, that is the main focus, you know, yeah, surprise we, fee. We, we, we've seen that. And uh, for those who don't know, um, what that means is someone runs their debit. They, they walk into the supermarket they uh, or grocery store, they run their debit card um, and it's approved. Mm-hmm. But another transaction that they had previously entered into- That's it, pending. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. pending, then hits their account. Oh, sorry, that is now uh, a negative and, and they end up paying a fee. Um, we have talked to a number of our clients about that. And my understanding is that the, the large software vendors- that um, our credit unions deal with are working on that are working on that, and there are there are ways mm-hmm. to fix it. Um, uh, mo- a lot of the lawsuits we're seeing though are on the double charge, uh, okay. uh, the double charge issue, um, and uh, there's another term for it that's escaping me right now. But um, and, and what that is, as you know, is where uh, you, for example, uh, go to give someone a check. The vendor or the um, the store runs the check through. Uh, you, it bounces. You get charged a fee. They then run it through again, and you get charged a second mm-hmm. fee. Mm-hmm. And what CFPB and the regulatory agencies and a lot of the plaintiffs' attorneys are saying is, "Hey, that's all one transaction. You shouldn't have to pay multiple fees on that." What the financial industry argues is, "Well, no, that's all part of the same transaction." Mm-hmm. So we're seeing that. Um, we're seeing that as well. And again, on a lot of this, um, I've yet to see clear evidence, and maybe you have. I mean, you're, you're in this as much or more than I am. Um, yet to see clear evidence of a statute or, or a final regulation that says a lot of this you can't do. No. No, it, it doesn't it, exist. No, right, right, exactly. <laughs> it, 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 it's all we don't like it. Right. And it, again, that's why it's interesting in a lot of these lawsuits – they cite a lot of this um, guidance and uh, um, press releases and mm-hmm. things like that, right. but they can't cite statutes because they're not there. No, it's not in the statute. It's not even in the commentary on the regulations, right? It, it's it's not codified in any way. It's just this seems improper, seems unfair, seems inappropriate. So we're going to talk about it as if it's illegal and then go from there. Yeah, that's um, right. So that's, that's right. And it's unfortunate. And some of it, like the uh, uh, authorized positive settled negative, um, I don't think anyone had even thought of that a few years ago. You know, that's mm-hmm. something that technology has ha- has brought on. It's not like uh, credit unions or the financial industry has, you know, Figured out a way. Oh, here's how we're going to charge. Right. It's people not as more. if it was purposeful. It right. Just, it, 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 yeah. Sort of uncovered that this was happening because you can see all of your transactions. You know, the moment that they they go through. Exactly. Um, so yeah, exactly, consumers are catching. Which, on. which goes back to I know, know we we'll, we may talk some more about fraud, but um, just it, it, it it's so critical mm-hmm. for credit unions to constantly pound into their members the idea. Check your account. Check your account. Right. Yeah, I check mine almost every day. Uh, my, you, my, you know, I I have a uh, I'm a proud credit union member, and uh, I every day I uh, I check my account. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you, you've got to be vigilant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That that is a, a big takeaway for institutions to you know encourage their their members just to pay close attention. It's your account. It's your money, and you know institutions are doing the best that they can. They they don't want to you know do you dirty, but yeah, <laughs> it's up right. to you to yeah. monitor your you know financial transactions. So yeah, let's get let's get back into fraud and and what are you know, specific types of wire fraud that you're seeing these days. Yeah. Wire fraud continues to be a big one. And and I sort of uh, divide wire fraud into two areas. Mm-hmm. The first area is, and, and I'm sure there's a better term for it, but um, what I call um, external wires, meaning wires from member accounts to third parties. And, and then the other uh, area is wires, what I can call it an internal wire, which is really not what it is, but that's how I think of it. A wire from the credit union's operating accounts to someone else. Mm-hmm. For example, when the credit union pays a law firm or pays NAFQ or pays whoever. So on the member wire uh, side, um, yes, continue to see a lot of fraud. Um, and again, to be clear, that's where the member walks into the branch, says, hi, I'd like to wire you know, my sister in Topeka, Kansas, $50,000. Here's her, here's her account. And I found that most of our clients have pretty good standard operating procedures, Mm -hmm. checklists, things like that, uh, for those types of wires. Um, uh, absolutely critical that, um, on wires. And a lot of this goes back to, uh, people, I think rely too much on technology sometimes. Absolutely critical that phone calls get made, you know, to, to the other institution to make sure. sure you have the correct routing numbers and the correct wire numbers and, 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 and all of that. Um, it's so easy to get just one number wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're actually uh, dealing with, uh, have dealt with several situations through the years where one number was off and it goes to the wrong, to the wrong account or the wrong institution. And then, you know, you end up spending a fortune trying to get the money back. Right. Um, on the, what I call the internal wires, that's a situation where say you have, um, let's say the vice president of lending or the CFO sends an email to accounting mm-hmm. and says, please wire $10,000 to NAFQ, let's mm-hmm. say. And um, the person in accounting gets that email, says, oh, look, you know, the um, CFO and emailed me with wire information, said email NAFQ, and they go ahead and do it. Well, guess what? That email wasn't from the CFO. It was a fraudster that somehow had made an exact replica of your email, Mm -hmm. made it look totally legit. Which happens all of the time. All the time. time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. The person in accounting never picked up the phone to call you or call the CFO and say, hey, I got this email from you. Is are you sure you want to wire mm-hmm. $10,000 to NAFQ? And uh, that's happening a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may be a legitimate you know, institution or organization, but the routing information is not. Oh, yeah. It goes to, you know, it, it goes to the Nigerian prince. Or right. It, you know, it goes to uh, it, it wherever. Goes, yeah. <laughs> God knows where. The fraudster's and, located. Yeah. Again. And the money's gone and you're never going to see yeah. it again. So we see that. And then the. Um, there's another one going around where um, 
and I've seen people fall prey to this. You get an email, member gets an email, and it looks like it's from the, you know, um, Fairfax County Circuit Court. Mm-hmm. And it says, you have unpaid parking tickets and you were supposed to show up in court yesterday and you didn't. If you don't pay $5,000 by five o'clock today, uh, we are going to have to arrest you tomorrow morning at 9, oh, geez. At 9 That's a.m. That's scary. <laughs> it is. And, and it looks legit. Uh-huh. And a lot of people say, holy, you know what? I don't want to c- go to jail. Right. So they wire the money to the to the number at the bottom. And guess what? It's not the Fairfax Circuit Court. So where all this Yikes. goes, where this all goes back to is, is pick up the phone mm-hmm. and call and confirm. Right. It's it just so crucial. Yeah. And, and don't necessarily call the number. If, if it says call this number, you know. Yeah, that's not look help. up look <laughs> right. up the Fairfax Circuit Court and, mm-hmm. and call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a very common one that's going around right now. So we see all kinds of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of um, you know countless voicemails that I've received over the years of like the IRS is you know <laughs> looking at your account and you yeah. haven't paid taxes and whatever, and we're gonna start you know a an action against you, and you have to pay X amount you know by whenever right though that's exactly age-old scam yep and then uh, you know a lot of members falling uh uh victim to uh romance scams mm. you know where and i feel like those increased over the pandemic as well big time because people were lonely and and, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people spent a lot of time by themselves and they were searching out connections with people right so um uh you know, unfortunately, this world we live in is full of uh, full of people that want to take advantage of other people. So you just have to be really diligent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, with that too, it's just your your run of the mill sort of uh, fraud scam. You know, oh, send me money, honey. I really need it for X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. But yeah, like they'll they'll then s- they disappear. They'll send a picture. You know, uh, let's say you have a, a member that lives here in Arlington. Members cooped up in their apartment during COVID, like you said, they're lonely, so they seek out, you know, uh, connections on the internet. Uh, they get a picture of what they think is a, you know, beautiful woman in in, uh, uh, you know, California or wherever, and and before you know it, they're sending pictures back and forth, and he mm-hmm. thinks he has this great online relationship. It's actually. You know, some three hundred and fifty pound guy in Bulgaria, um, uh, you, you know, who's who's doing this, uh, and then you know, after a few days or a few weeks, she strikes, and he gets that email. Hey, I'd really like to come visit you, but I can't afford the plane ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, can you uh, or yeah, or I need an operation. I found out I have cancer, and you know, people people try to you know help other people and. They send a wire uh, thinking it's going to California for her plane ticket to come visit them. And it's yeah. actually gone to, you know, God knows where overseas. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or, 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 or here. So right. it's, it's uh, a lot of that going around. And again, it all just goes back to being super careful. Right. Yeah. That vigilance is key. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so another type of fraud that you know has been increasing recently and and throughout the pandemic um, is you know elder fraud and mm. elder financial abuse and 
Um, the CFPB has been very focused on their Office of Older Americans and and you know spreading information about the you know increase in this type of abuse and and fraud. So you know what types of elder abuse are most common and and how can financial institutions, credit unions help their members to avoid this sort of fraud? It's so sad. Um, it really is. We, we do see a lot of this. And uh, first of all, the good news is, is that uh, a lot of states like uh, Virginia, for example, have shield statutes, mm -hmm. um, meaning that the credit union is protected if it thinks there is elder abuse. So, for example, we see a lot of this. Um, you have an elderly member who's, let's say, 85, 90 years old. They have $500,000 sitting in a savings share savings account. They come into the branch with their 50-year-old you know, um, daughter or 30-year-old granddaughter. And um, the uh, elderly member says, I want to give all my money to my granddaughter. You know, or um, uh, I want to give $100,000 mm -hmm. to, to my granddaughter. Or the, the elderly member can barely speak, you know, because they have dementia or physical right. ailments. And, and they come in and the granddaughter says, yes, my grandmother wants to give me $100,000 out of her account. And, and frequently, the, you know, the manager or the frontline person, the teller, whoever they're, they're with, it's tough, right? Because the granddaughters or the daughters right there, the elderly person is there and they're nodding their head. Yes, I'd like to do it. And um, uh, the key thing to remember there is, again, you're protected mm -hmm. uh, as a credit union generally. If you have a good faith, reasonable uh, suspicion that there, that there is some sort of fraud going on, you can say, hey, let's stop. Mm -hmm. Let's go talk to a manager Let's, you know, we want to do some due diligence on this to protect right, you. Right. Let's sit down, dig into the details just to make sure there's no instance of undue influence. Where, That's right. That's right. Know, now, you also don't have a duty mm -hmm. as a credit union. Right? Credit union is not a doctor. You, right. you don't have to determine, does, does this person have dementia or not? Do your best to assess the situation. Exactly, exactly. And um, it's nice to know that unless you do something grossly negligent or really horrible, that you're going to be you're going to be protected uh, if if that member tries or, or the granddaughter or daughter tries to bring suit against a credit union, saying somehow they were harmed because you were you were worried about the elder abuse. Mm -hmm. So we see that we see a lot of. Um, one of the things that we do a lot for credit unions is look at powers of attorney. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a uh, 35-year-old man will walk in and say, hey, I have full power of attorney for my elderly grandmother, mother, and, um, you know, I want to move $100,000 out of her account. And it's crucial that those power of, powers of attorney be very carefully reviewed um, because we see a lot of powers of attorney that are not either that are um, not necessarily fraudulent, but they're not executed properly or they don't contain the, the appropriate language or um, every once in a while we'll see one where we're like, where did they get this? You know, it looks like a, uh, a third grader uh, <laughs> uh, wrote it. So uh, we see a lot of that. And then finally, um, you know, 
unfortunately, a lot of elder people um, are really good with technology, surprisingly. My mother-in-law is amazing with technology, you know, and she's almost 80 years old. Um, uh, but they are very prone to uh, technological scams, mm -hmm. like the romance scams, because you have a lot of lonely elderly, uh, elderly people. Um, they're very susceptible to um, uh, the types of frauds, like I talked about, where someone says, hey, you know, we're going to take your social security away if you don't pay this, mm -hmm. uh, those types of things. So I think what credit unions can do to help their elderly folks is to, um, you know, just constantly reminding them um, to be careful and check their accounts. And if they have a situation where someone is asking them to wire them money, come ask the credit union, you know, hey, what, what do you what do you think about this? Right. And there are a lot of resources available as well. I, I know some from the CFPB um, that, you know, you can have in your branch and, you know, available to your members just to make sure they're aware of, of all of these different types of scams. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and um, one of the nice things is, you know, elderly members a lot of times go do go into the branches a lot. Right. And um, I know because my credit union's right across the street from my office and um, I'm in there a couple days a week sometimes. And uh, uh, a lot of times I'm the youngest person in there and I'm 50, 51. Um, and they know the tellers, they know the managers. Mm -hmm. So there's a nice relationship there right. uh, a lot of times and they're not anonymous. So that's a good opportunity uh, when they have those contacts for the frontline people to say, Hey, you doing okay? You know, right. and, 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 uh, when they do bring in something that looks a little off to say something. Right. Right. So generally what is your advice to credit unions, you know, how they can do their best to avoid fraud, whatever kind of fraud it may be. Yeah, we've been seeing so much fraud that uh, a month month or so ago, we actually put together a 15 or 20 page list of suggestions for our clients on how to avoid fraud. Everything from Excellent. wire to elderly to, you know, we still see check kiting. Mm -hmm. you, you know, we still see, um, you know, that movie Catch Catch Me If You Can with Le <laughs> yep. Leonardo DiCaprio. I just watched it again the yeah, other day. Yeah, there it's you a go. Great movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, people still a do lot that. Of check fraud. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it, it's uh, it, it's amazing. Um, uh, I hear a lot of people say, "Wow, I haven't written a check in six months or a year." You know, because they do everything online, but there still are millions of checks. You know, mm -hmm. cut. But um, the key things to avoid fraud. I'd say the most important is to have SOP, standard operating procedures and checklists for everything. Yeah. You know, how do we deal with wires? Uh, how do we deal with a situation where we think there might be elder abuse? How do we deal with, um, uh, you know, uh, situations where we have a check that we think there may be an issue? So that the frontline tellers and managers, assistant managers can say, man, what do I do in this situation? And they can pull open the binder or they can go on, you know, the credit union intranet and look up, okay, here's what I do. I have to send a wire. Here are the things I need to do to, um, to make sure that it, that it's kosher. Mm -hmm. And th the key thing is again, uh, be high tech, have good good um, firewalls in place and things like that, but be low tech also mm. pick up the phone and call, 
you know, pick up the phone and say, hey, is this legit? Let me confirm the wiring instruction. I know our law firm, we send a lot of wires. Obviously, we do a lot of real estate closings and, and right. settlements and things for clients. And that's our standard operating procedure is if someone sends you wiring information, uh, our paralegals are required to pick up the phone, call the other side, and confirm the number, confirm where it's going, and uh, make sure that it's legit. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd, I'd say uh, uh, standard operating procedures, checklists, uh, uh, con- constantly telling your members to check their accounts. Um, you can't do that enough. Please check your account online or on your phone. It's easy to do to make sure. And if you see something that doesn't look right, come in and tell us or, or, right. or, or call the help help center. Yeah. I personally get very nervous about wires. I prefer cashier's uh, yeah. checks and yeah. <laughs> certified checks. I don't, I don't go that route. <laughs> yeah. A- another thing too is for uh, the credit unions that offer credit cards, which most of our clients do, um, is to make sure that your credit card <clears throat> vendor has strong fraud protections in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, with my credit card, um, I probably just because I travel some and uh, and I, I, you know, use my credit card a lot. Um, uh, you know, I'll get a text from my the credit card vendor probably once a month or so that says, "Hey, is this a legit transaction?" Right. And Super I like firm. getting those because it means they're, they're they're looking out for me. So so those are just a few of the things that credit unions can do uh, to try to avoid fraud. Unfortunately, fraud is here. It it, it ain't going away. Right. So. There's no real way to to completely eliminate it or no. you know, have processes to make sure that you cut it down to zero. Yep. It's not going to And some of these fraudsters are so smart. It's a shame. You know, I think they could make a lot of money in the legit world. Yeah. Some very of them, sophisticated. Yeah. Yeah. They really are. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right. Well, any other thoughts on, on fraud or compliance issues generally that you want our viewers and uh, listeners to be aware of? Yeah. I, I, I'd say again, um, I would make sure you have a culture of compliance, a culture mm-hmm. of avoiding fraud, you know, and I think it's very, very important to have an organization where your employees and, and your members feel comfortable saying something if they see something. Uh, you know, the famous, that's important. The famous yeah. Homeland Security line, if you see something, say something, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but that's important in credit, credit union world too. If you see something and it doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. run it up the chain. And again, it's for credit union CEOs and vice presidents and CFOs and heads of lending. It's important to have an open dialogue type environment and 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 um an environment where people feel comfortable going to the person above them, knowing that they're not going to get in trouble or that um, they'll be taken seriously when they do do say, "Hey, I think something's off here," because a lot of times your gut will be right. Yeah, so. yeah, it's important to pay attention and and take those. Uh, comments and uh, feedback seriously. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that does it for this episode. Thank you, Dustin, for joining me. And thank you for tuning in to this exciting discussion on compliance issues with a focus on fraud. Um, If you enjoy watching or listening to The Cup, please hit the like button on your favorite streaming platform. Subscribe to get notifications about our latest episodes. 
and also leave us a review. Uh, we'd also love to hear about topics that you're interested in so that we can feature those on a future episode. Thanks so much. And until next time.